Thank you for joining us at Victims to Victorious here on the Black Talk Radio Network. My name is Angel Fall, and this recording is very special for me and the people of the Black Talk Media Project because we are going to broadcast our podcast live in Chicago, August 9th. We will start taping at 12.30 p.m. inside of the Black Fire Brigade 8404 South Ketsey, Chicago, Illinois. And before we do the taping, I've asked people who are suffering with the loss of a gunshot wound victim who has succumbed to his or her injuries to bring a teddy bear with his or her name on it. Last week I mentioned Janari Ricks and in the less than seven days that it's taken us to broadcast today, 15 more children and young adults' pictures were placed on the Forget Me Not site. Um, I'm sorry, it's not Forget Me Not, it's Never Forget. And each little button is, the name on each little button is the name of the decedent. And the picture is formulated inside of a teddy bear that's slumped over. So that is Never Forget Chicago. The site is run by journalists who write about the gun violence in Chicago. So the title of the forum in Chicago is going to be The Societal Pathogen, Gun Violence, The Culture and the Cures. So one of the things that people often talk about is whether or not gun violence, and I am looking down at my phone, we're allowed to do that nowadays, whether or not gun violence has any kind of impetus or rooting in a violent culture. So many people say that violence, violent lyrics in songs fuel violent behavior. So um, is that true? Is it, really, is it really linked to gun violence? So there, the data is mixed on it. For instance, if you look at the data on video game violence, and um, my son, my son has been an avid video, uh, video game player for a long time. And I um, remember when I had to go to the uh, store with him and approve of a video that he wanted. And uh, I got it for him and I watched and I asked him about all, all the killing in the video game. And he explained that those were enemy combatants and I didn't think for any moment that he would take that into reality. That's where I'm going with that. Um, but the data is mixed on that. So I wanna start by talking about violent lyrics and violence. The article that I'm reading from today is from, um, it's um, from the APA org, violent song lyrics may lead to violent behavior. And I always give Scotty the um, links. Scotty Reed is the founder of the Black Talk Media Project, and he is my executive producer here on Victims to Victorious. So the article is from the American Psychological Association. It's called Violent Song Lyrics May Lead to Violent Behavior. Violent song lyrics increase negative emotions and thoughts that can lead to aggression. 
According to a study published in May, the May issue of the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, the study challenges the ancient Greeks' catharsis hypothesis. So that is one of the things that people, uh, that's why the data is mixed, and that's why they're saying they charge. Uh, they are challenging the uh, ancient Greek catharsis Catharsis's hypothesis. I said it right the first time. So in other words, um, there has been a lot of evidence that has been presented previously that says when people are playing the video games, it's a release for them. They won't be violent in real life because their violence tendencies have now become virtual and home to a game, for instance. So that's the catharsis idea. The Greek catharsis hypothesis that claims that expressing aggressive emotion will later decrease aggressive behavior. Instead, researchers from Iowa State University and the Texas Department of Human Services found that aggressive music lyrics increase aggressive thoughts and feelings which might perpetuate aggressive behavior and have long-term effects such as influencing, influencing listeners' perceptions of society and contributing to the development of aggressive personalities. This study provides the first clean demonstration of violent lyric effects, said lead author Craig Anderson of Iowa State University. In five experiments, Anderson and his colleagues asked more than 500 college students to listen to such violent songs as Shoot 'em Up by Cypress Hill and Hit 'em Hard by Run DMC and such nonviolent songs as Finger Looking Good by the Beastie Boys and Love Versus Loneliness by the Suicidal Tendencies. Researchers also included the lyrics of humorous violent and nonviolent songs like A Boy Named Sue by Johnny Cash and Hello Mudda, Hello Father by Alan Sherman. After listening to the songs, the students performed various word-associated tasks to test whether they linked more non-aggressive words with aggressive words or filed, um, filled incomplete words uh, with vowels to make aggressive words. They also reported their feelings of hostility as measured by the state hostility scale, ranking sentences based on their emotions after hearing the songs. The research the, res the results indicate a relationship between violent song lyrics and increased aggressive thoughts and feelings of hostility. Humorous violent songs also increased aggression levels relative to humorous nonviolent songs, according to Anderson. The findings held after the researchers controlled for the listeners gender and personality differences, as well as the reactions to the different performing artists and musical styles. While more research on effects of violent lyrics must be done, says Anderson, yet another type of entertainment media when referring to violence now has been demonstrated to have some negative effects. So there is a group in Chicago called Clear the Airways, I believe. I'm going to get them up on my phone in a minute. So one the article we just read, and I will put it up, uh, or Scotty will put it up for you on the APA, uh, from the APA.org, American, uh, I believe that was American Psychological Association. Um, one of the things about that is they're disproving the Carthus, Carthus, Carthus's, uh hypothesis. I 
think I mispronounced it that time. So they're disproving the fact that the aggression is just a release. Instead, they're saying what happens, what is the vestigial effect? So in other words, by giving students, college students words, in that time frame, right after they played the video game, all the words continued to be aggressive. So um, the group that I was looking for, hopefully we will have a, um, someone from the group join us. If not, we will continue talking about violence and lyrics for a little bit. If you just tuned in, we're about 10 minutes to, into Victims to Victorious. And my name is Angel Fall, and we're very, very excited about coming to Chicago. We are going to broadcast live August 9th. The podcast will begin at 1230. <clears throat> but before that, if you have a loved one who has succumbed to his or her injuries, meaning they have died from a direct result of gunshot wounds, I'm asking you to bring a teddy bear with their name on it. And we are going to stand in silence and just remember them. And what I'm hoping is that people will put a name, a name to the statistics. Some of my critics say I talk about the statistics as if <clears throat> African American people are to blame. Some of my critics say I talk about the statistics as if there are not human beings involved. So I want to make sure that everyone understands um, that I'm not really doing that. I want you to understand what the cold hard facts are because the policy um, and the public health research dollars, they are going to follow the numbers. So if you feel someone has been excluded from the, from the numbers um, because of a, a certain identity or location, then what I really would ask you to do is to reframe this, okay, reframe this in a disease model. So for instance, men get prostate cancer, okay? Women don't get pros prostate cancer. So if you are a researcher and you're getting money to solve prostate cancer, all of your informants will be, in terms of all your informants who have the risk, will be men. And they will have to be men who already have, who have their prostate intact, okay? So another example. Now you could, the research, researcher could interview women uh, as a control, for instance. But in terms of using the target funding to prevent the illness in the target population, that target population has to be codified and identified. So for instance, let's look back on um, the horrendous work hazards of being a coal miner. For many years, the coal miners uh, would come up with something called black lung. And actually the coal dust would get into their lungs, cause emphysema, we call COPD now, and many of them also smoked. Now, if you are trying to solve black lung in coal miners, you're not going to look for people who A, don't work in the coal mine, and B, don't smoke, okay? So that would just be an example of the target population. Yes, you're excluding other people at that point, 
but the public health officials and the epidemiologists are sent to the epicenter. They are sent to where there is an outbreak. And an outbreak means that there are higher numbers than usual for a specific disease. And in the case of the black lung, yes, people got lung cancer who didn't work in the mines, the coal mines. Yes, people got emphysema who didn't work in the coal mines and asthma. But once you see a larger portion of them getting it and their life expectancy is shorter, then you have to solve the public health issue that becomes a public health issue. So again, I'm hoping that those of you who have critiqued me um, understand what we're really doing. In a public health model, you identify the people who are at risk and you pull your resources to those who are at risk. And then once those numbers come down to an, what's called an endemic disease, or once they're no longer, uh, once the disease has been eradicated, because sometimes there are outbreaks like E. coli, then you move on to the next group of people who are at risk for a different disease. And I'm not saying all epidemiologists do the same thing. They're infectious disease epidemiologists, like Dr. Fauci, for instance. But the model is the same. Where are the people experiencing an outbreak? Or you've heard me use this word many times. Where is there a burden of the disease? And that's where you go. So Chicago right now has a burden of disease of astronomical proportions in terms of gunshot wound victims. I never imagined that between tapings, there would be 15 more deaths of young adults and children posted on the Never Forget Me site. Now let's return to, does rap music provoke violent behavior? So this article, we're gonna take a look at that because we're trying to see what, what are some of the cultural factors that increase, or if the cultural factors can be proven to increase the risk of people who are shot and killed by guns, if the music that the perpetrator and the listener to uh, have done, then if the perpetrator and the victim, I'm sorry, are both listening to the same lyrics at the same party when they get into a fight, is that a predictor of gun violence? So the effects of violent music on children and adolescents. I'm reading from the Semantic Scholar. Again, I, can, I will post these article links. The effects of violent music on children and, and adolescents. Although much of the debate about the effects of media on youth revolves around television, music is very important to children and adolescents. Try to change the radio station in your car after your child has said it, and you will quickly see that they have a clear and deeply, they clearly have deeply held opinion. In a survey of junior and senior high school students in Northern California, Students were asked what media they would choose to take with them if they were stranded on a desert island. They were allowed to, to nominate a first, second, and third choice from a list, including a TV, books, video games, computer, and newspapers. So what did the researchers find? One of the things they found on the television, this is now this article, the reason why I picked this article is because this article predates cell phones. A lot of you don't do, a lot of the listeners and viewers and followers do everything on their cell phones. But in trying to determine 
what is the way the children were getting the violent messages at this time. They're comparing uh, radio broadcasts and TV, okay? And this is to show you how long this research has been going on, yet it's not totally definitive. So the first choice of most of the children and adolescents was television, and the second one was music. And they're looking at seventh graders. So music's important to youth can be measured by the amount of time they spend listening to it. One sample Southeastern Junior High School students spend an average of three hours per day listening to music and over four hours watching television. So when this article starts, when they start doing the research, uh, this article, or when they publish the research, they published this research, I believe around 2006. So again, this is before so many people have a cell phone. And what's important about this research is they have identified the same group of people that I'm discussing here who are, for instance, on the forget-me-not site, adolescents. So one of the questions you might have, and this is something we might be able to address for sure on August 9th, starting at 1230 uh, p.m. Central Time, which is the local time of Chicago, Illinois, we will be able to discuss this. Do you feel that rap music and music with violent lyrics um, elicits violence? Certainly the um, station founder of Black Talk Radio Network, Scotty Reed, he, he believes that. And one of the other, one of the other discussions around the, the violent lyrics, and I'm just talking about rap right now, but rock music has, can have violent lyrics. Um, a, violent lyrics can appear across genres. But what is so compelling about the rap music lyrics is that they are actually spoken. They are not sung. So it's very clear the person's tone, the person's cadence, the person's pronunciation. And there are lots of metaphors um, where you'd have to understand certain pieces of the culture to, under, to, to distinguish between what is being said um, that is actually violent and what is implied violence. So for instance, if, if a rapper says, I don't go anywhere without my nine. Now, some of you who are unfamiliar with African-American culture or rap lyric type metaphors, they're not talking about their, their golfing iron and they're not talking about their shoe size. They're talking about a nine millimeter, for instance. And I would also put out there that children who are listening may not understand, like the the, the first group, the first cohort in this study um, called, of the semant in the semantic scholars, it's called The Effects of Violent Music on Children and Adolescents, Donald F. Roberts, Peter G. Christensen, and Douglas A. Gentle. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. So their first group is seventh graders. And those are people who are between 11 and 13 years old, okay? So one of their arguments is that they start listening to these things early. The average amount of media used by eighth and ninth graders. So they go up to ninth graders and they find that watching TV is still high on the list. Again, this is for the time frame, And video games are high on the list. And of course, there are more boys who watch video games than girls. So that's another that's another part of the research that has some suggestive 
credence. Again, the data is still mixed. And I went back to an older article to see um, how, how this is being, how this was established. So the data is still mixed. Well, we do know that more boys play video games. And therefore, it's a relative assumption because of the number of video games that are so violent that they are exposed to this violence. So the question becomes, when does someone decide that being violent on, on the screen in the virtual world has to be acted out in the real world? So the common sense argument here is if most people play video games and most people don't ever become mass shooters, for instance, then how, how influential is it? So some research suggests that people who are pre predisposed to solve conflicts with violence might be a little more receptive once they're involved in the violent lyrics and the violent video games. And therefore, um, it's easier for them to make that jump. But most people don't ever make that jump. Now, in, within the city of Chicago, we are seeing lots of adolescents and children who are in fact dying from gunshot wounds. Now, we do know that very often, well, we do know one thing about African-American male homicides between age, about age, uh, teenagers to 39 or so. Most African-American males are shot and killed by a friend, acquaintance, or relative. And these social circles where the shooting is being done, within those social circles, retaliatory sentiments come up. And then this idea of getting revenge on who shot Pookie, for instance, takes off. And then the people who shot Pookie are killed by the people who know Pookie. And all, most of these conflicts that are solved with a gun have started out as interpersonal conflicts. And that's why I point you to the articles on LinkedIn by Lisa Rose Rodriguez about reducing morbidity and mortality in African-American males by using conflict resolution. And I can have Scotty post a link to that. So what if you do listen to 50 Cent and you do listen uh, to uh, the game? Do you have to solve your problems with violence. Certainly 50 Cent and the game, for instance, are enjoying the spoils of their persona. Now 50 Cent, I mentioned before, got shot nine times. And in the movie, uh, in his biopic, you hear the doctor say something like, I've never operated on someone who survived being shot nine times. Now is 50 Cent out there now shooting someone else? No, I don't think someone who's invested in a vitamin water wants to solve his conflicts anymore with a nine millimeter. So maybe those of you who believe the rap lyrics are more, are more impressionable, or should, should I say African-American males are more impressionable because of certain other risk factors, like no male figure in the home. Sometimes I tell a story about no males and, I'm, and I use an animal model. And before you get offended, Remember that human beings are mammals if you believe in Charles Darwin's theory of evolution. So the, there is a phenomenon on the African savanna, and that is 
elephants will start killing rhinos, if I'm telling the story correctly, for no reason at all, other than just to be aggressive. Remember from being at the zoo or your elementary school biology class, a, an elephant, an elephant, is actually a herbivore. He, he or she are vegetarians. So it's very clear that when they kill the rhino, it's just for aggressive aggression. Now, who kills these rhinos and why? Zoologists have discovered that when a group of male elephants have no older elephant around, no father, or they've grown up, grown up without the father. Oftentimes in the South, in South Africa, the game, the game warden calls the herd, as they call it. They often kill the bull males. Of course, the bull males die because of poaching as well for the ivory. So when these young adolescent elephants grow up without a male figure, they become violent towards the rhinos or hippopotamuses and they kill them for no reason whatsoever. Again, an elephant is not a carnivore. So some people use this as a parody for what happens when you live in a home where there is no alpha male to check your aggression, to show you when you can be assertive versus deadly. That's something that the nuances are missing. Shooting someone over sneakers, shooting someone over disrespect. You're not defending your family when, when someone is breaking into your house. You're out on the street discharging a weapon because someone called your baby mama a bitch or a hoe. Now, that leads me to another discussion about the people who don't like the lyrics and say they feel violence, is that the lyrics in many of the hardcore rap records are demeaning to people as human beings. Everyone is a nigger, everyone is an MF, I don't know if I can say it out loud, everyone is a hoe, everyone is a bitch. And so this, this has a way of washing away and diminishing the humanity of people when you listen to it. I, I recently had gone out, out before the pandemic to a club on a date <laughs> and I asked that my I asked my date if we could leave because the lyrics to the music over and over again somebody was a bitch somebody was a hoe somebody was performing sexual acts someone was constantly being demeaned by gender or race so these are things that um, people are studying if you believe in the value of your fellow man do you decide to end his or her life so quickly and without remorse. Last week I mentioned the way that some countries don't allow you to own a gun in your, have a gun in your home. Uh, I believe Canada has a lot of that. Your gun is a weapon that is locked up and you have to go and get it for specific reasons. Now many of these, shoot, most of these shootings in the African-American, of, of the African-American male are done with handguns. Handguns are easily sequestered in sagging jeans, sagging underwear, for instance, large coats. These weapons are used in most of the murders. 90% of white men who die from gunshot wounds, over 90% of them, the wounds are self-inflicted. So this is a very, very different set of facts. So we are coming to Chicago on August 9th 
to discuss, to discuss how gun violence has its roots in violent lyrics, violence culture, violent cultures, and gun violence is totally preventable when public health measures are in place. I see that Kwamena has joined us and we have been discussing violent lyrics in music and violent video games and hopefully you'll be able to join us. Uh, am I pronouncing your name right? Say it again. I said Kwabena. That's fine. Yes, yeah. fine. Thank you. How do you pronounce it? People say Kwabena, Kwabena. Um, when I got the name in Ghana, it was Kwabena, but a lot of people over there say Kwabena too. So either or, just just don't, what's that word they always say? Just don't call me late for dinner or something other than that. I'm good. And is it a Twee or Fonti or a Shanti name? Oh, it's a uh, tree, I think. Okay. Tree. It's a, it's a kind of language, so tree, I think, is the one. So please tell the please tell our viewers here on Victims to Victorious about um, your quest to eliminate the airplay of this music that has these violent lyrics and these denigrating lyrics. Wow, it's uh, it's been a been a quite a struggle, but clearly the Airways Project, uh, shoot, the Black Talk Media Network has been with us for quite a while, of uh, you know talking with Scotty on a lot of the news programs for quite a while dealing with this issue because it's been an issue for quite a while. It's just that the music that's mashed down the minds of the masses of our people is just embarrassing. It's just dangerous. It's pornographic. It's materialistic. It's disrespectful. It's misogynistic. It promotes self-hate. It promotes shooting and killing people. It promotes being a drug addict, a drug slinger. And it's and it don't stop. It's like it it really amazes me that we've gotten to this point with the music, and we see what's being played out uh, with the fratricide or the intercommunal violence that's taking place in urban areas all around the country. I just saw Chattanooga, a video of Chattanooga, Tennessee, with violence happening and where children or people are walking down the street. You know, same thing in Como, Mississippi. You know, we talked about Charlotte. The other day we were on with our sister Leela talking about Charlotte, North Carolina on Juneteenth, the violence that's at a Juneteenth uh, fest, the violence that took place there. And uh, here in Chicago recently, I know you probably, I'm sure you talked about this, the funeral where 15 people were shot, including 10 women, 10 women. And there's a song on the radio that says, I'm gonna put you in the news, I'm gonna put you on a t-shirt. I'm gonna have your name put on a t-shirt because I'm gonna murk you. And a murk, of course, means to murder you. Then I'm gonna take uh, $20,000 in drug money and have your hearse shot up. So I'm gonna shoot up your funeral. And this is in hot rotation on the radio stations. I haven't, we haven't heard it in a few, in a little while now because we brought that issue up. So they're, they're hearing us, but they gotta come further than just hearing us about individual songs because this is a practice that is so pervasive that is so inundated into the minds of the masses of our people that even when you go underground or listen to talk to any young rapper or around the country, it's the same old thing. It's violence, it's blatant disrespect of women, which leads to violence. And uh, it's, this, is a, this is a crazy situation we're in, but now is the time. Now is the time to make that change. I totally agree. And that's why Scotty and I decided 
to do the live podcast August 9th at 8404 South Kedzie, which is the Black Fire Brigade in Chicago, Illinois. We're going to start at 1230 local time. And at 11 a.m., I've been asking people to bring a teddy bear with the name of the decedent that they are missing, that they are grieving, that they are um, outraged and angered about so that people can have a face to the name. Much of what I do is talk about the statistics and people who critique me online say, don't believe that I'm, I believe in the humanity uh, behind it, but I certainly do. It's just that I, I'm advocating a public health model. Gun violence is a disease and this is a multi-prong approach with a multi-causal foundation. And before, as you were trying to join us, I began, I told a, a t story about the way um, elephants on the Sahara, on the savannah, who grow up in a group of just adolescent, if there's just adolescent male elephants and no female or male in the herd, those elephants randomly start killing rhinos and hippopotamus, hippopotami, I don't know, a hippopotamus. And the reason is, they're not in a family group anymore and they don't have an alpha male to show them that they're not supposed to be violent in that way because elephants are herbivores. So they don't even eat the rhino in the hippopotamus after they stomp it to death. So that is a phenomenon that is seen because of poaching because of course the male elephants are going to have the, the bigger tusks for instance. And so it's, it's a theory that can be applied to humans if you if it's okay with people to understand we are mammals and elephants live in a social group and they live for a very long time. So the people, very often one of the risk factors for violence is not having a father in home. Another risk factor for violence is being a victim of felony assault yourself. Violent, violent acts predict other violent acts. And in preparing for our live broadcast, I. I spoke with people at Cure Violence, uh, Dr. Slutskin's group, and I've done a show on that. They have violence interrupters who are able to predict within the social circle. So one of the things that um, I want the, the viewers to engage us in, uh, Kwabena, is understanding that a very simple way to resolve this. Yes, there, there's rap music. Yes, people play video games, but everyone who hears the violent messages all those people do not act out violence in real life. But one of the things that I am advocating is the teaching of interpersonal conflict resolution to these young men who actually believe this is the only way to solve a violent, this is the only way to solve a conflict. One example I have is I know of someone who witnessed their father being murdered when they were 12. They actually assisted the murderer who was their uncle dragging the body out in the project's hallway in Brooklyn, New York. He said the case was never papered. Six years later, when he was a drug dealer and he had a conflict, he shot and killed that drug dealer. And because he took the drug dealer's guns and cars from New York to New Jersey, he caught a federal case. And when I'm, that's right, when I met him, he was 44 years old. 
He'd been locked up for 26 years. And one of the things he said to me is, what I didn't know got me in prison. I didn't know as a 12 year old, it wasn't okay for my uncle to kill my father. And I didn't know as an 18 year old that it wasn't okay to kill the other drug dealers because I got into an argument. Wow. You, you got, um, hopefully, um, hopefully you'll talk about that elephant, the elephant story on this coming Sunday. Because when I think about that, I, I, I take it back to, and I use this example a lot, boys in the hood, how, how Trey's father, you know, yes. he was there. He yeah. was there. You know, you're not going, you're not going with them on that mission or whatever. So I think about that. Also, there is a, a, a preacher and I can't recall his name right now, but hopefully when you're here on Sunday, you can meet him because he's camped out on the corner, which is not too far from where we're going to be meeting at, but on the corner where the 15 people were, uh, were shot after that funeral. And he's on a hunger strike. And what he's, what he's attempting to do is to get them to make this violence a, uh, a, a health issue like you're talking about. So it'll be great for you all to meet uh, sometime on this Sunday too. Hope we can go over and, uh, and see him. Well, maybe he can actually, I don't, he's, uh, maybe he can actually come or interact with us. That would be fantastic. I would also like to know, and yeah, maybe you can stick in some food. Say that again. <laughs> maybe we can sneak some food. Nice plan. Yeah. Well, we we're not going to have any food. I've been asking people to donate water. We have a GoFundMe page. I'm asking people to follow me on um, Twitter, On Air Angel, and on Facebook, Angel Fall Host, because it does cost money to to bring this to Chicago. We have an RV. The RV gas and tolls, and costs three hundred and thirty-three dollars. And so far, I am self-funded. But one of the things that I would like is if you can afford to buy a teddy bear, we will write the name of the victim on the teddy bear. If you are not in Chicago, you just have to go to the um, go to the producer's webpage, L Rodriguez, E L L E R O D R I G U E S. Go to her page, and you can also see the GoFundMe buttons. And she will write the name. If you donate teddy bears, I looked them up. They cost between twenty and even a hundred dollars. But if you donate money and you specify in the GoFundMe page that it's for a certain person, certain victim, we will write the name on it. And the Forget Me Not website shows the names. They post the names of each person. Um, they have seem to have a preference for young adults and children that are dying through gunshot wounds. And before you joined us, Quabena, between the time I taped the show last week and this week, which is actually only five days, 15 new names were on that site of gunshot wound victims. So follow me on Twitter, On Air Angel. You can also see my GoFundMe page um, on On Air Angel on Twitter. So I know Scotty is giving us signals. We have about five minutes left, uh, Quabena, and I want you to talk. Well, when you talked about uh, the conflict resolution, that's beautiful that you're teaching that because one of the things we always talk about is that once we get this off the air, that's when the psychologists, the counselors, the teachers have to come in and deprogram the people because we've been programmed so long to handle our conflicts violently via this music. And sometimes even this music is not even a conflict. 
you know, I'm I'm doing something pornographic and sexual, and now I'm gonna run up in your house with the shoddy, and by the way, your mama might be at home. And it's not even a conflict. They're not not even a conflict. You know, just rapping, and all of a sudden, I'm gonna burn me in at the store where your mammy and grandmama shop at. It's just amazing how how pervasive again this stuff is. The number one song in the country, right? Well, the number one song in the U.S. No, let me start here. In the world, around the time when George Floyd was was brutally terrorized and murdered, this was a song that was number one in England, in New Zealand, in Ireland, in Switzerland, and maybe Switzerland, Switzerland, and uh, in Australia. It was a song that now the number one song in the U.S. is called "Rockstar" by the Baby, and his his uh his instrument is not a guitar. His instrument is a gun. And his, yes, the number one song in all those countries in the world, and the song is about shooting ends. My daughter is a G. She saw me shoot an end before the age of two. This is the number one song in those countries all around, about shooting, and a bunch of other lyrics about shooting black people. And the baby, he has a baby with him. His daughter, she's not even two years old. So evidently, she might get caught, caught in a crossfire. So we just had a two-year-old baby out here in Hammond, Indiana, just got shot and killed. You know, we just had a nine-year-old child the other day shot and killed. And this is the type of music you're playing. And so now this song has been number one in the U.S. since like the last six or seven weeks. The number one song about shooting black people in a time where people are moving towards righteousness. They're taking down Confederate monuments, you know, per the work we're doing in, in North Carolina. They're in, on, on a bunch of other places. They're taking the Confederate emblem off the flag in Mississippi. You know, the Redskins have gotten rid of that racist emblem off their football team, but yet you still have on the radio not just calling us in and disrespecting Black women, but talking about shooting us. And then right before that song was number one in the U.S., it was a song called Savages with Beyonce, who now has, has an album, I guess a visual album now about Africa, but before that, she was on this song about calling herself a savage, calling herself a B and an N. And the sister who made the song initially, Megan Pete, and we refused to call her the name of a male horse, but Megan Pete is on that song with her and she gets shot. You know what happened to her, right? She got shot in both her feet uh, by, a, allegedly by another rapper, both in her feet. They said glass had struck her feet, uh, her, her foot. That's why she was limping on the video, but no, she got shot. But you, but in in uh and now the issue is that black women are not treated, you're not protected, which is true. We don't protect our sister like we should. But you're making songs about savages, and pornographic music that's not calling for protection of black women, not even calling for black women to be respected at all. So this issue is very important. We really look forward to seeing you and being with you on 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 uh, Sunday and give us as much information as you can about us. We can share. Uh, on this issue. Right now, a hot time in Chicago. I don't know if you know what happened last night. One of the biggest rappers yes. underground and they do yeah. So he was shot and killed. And you know it's it's big time gangbanger, well low level gangbangers, but big time on a low level gangbanging that's going on in Chicago. And up on the Gold Coast in the Rixie area of Chicago and was shot and killed. I guess they, he was posting where he was at, and so some of his ops or ops came and shot, and shot another brother and shot a sister in the hand. Gold Coast, so the mayor's up in arms about that. The night before, in Los Angeles, this is Monday night, 
or early wee hours of the morning on Tuesday morning, a football player was celebrating he got drafted at a party. You ought to see the video for that. Pow, 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 just shots being fired like crazy. Somebody died out there. Also on Monday, 15 people were shot in Chicago. 14 shot in New York City. So this is so important, the work that we're doing, that we're doing. And so we really look forward, again, to being with you on Saturday. Well, it's actually Sunday, Corvetta, and Scotty's giving us like two, the two minute warning. I really am looking forward to discussing this more with you. We're going to have Dr. Michael McGee, who is starting a gun violence program for 100 black men in Chicago. He's been successful with the foundation of pop violence, POP violence in Indiana. The taping will begin at 12.30 p.m. local time at the Black Fire Brigade, which is 8404 South Kedzie. If you wish to donate, type in Victims to Victorious, GoFundMe and Google, or follow me on Twitter, On Air Angel. You can also um, go to the Black Talk Radio Network and donate directly to the Black Talk Media Project. So, Corbena, we've got about a minute. I want you to say something uh, before we meet uh, in Chicago. Uh, check out our movement at Clear the Airways Project. That's on Facebook. Uh, we have plenty of uh, interviews that Scotty has done with us, uh, also on the Black Talk Media Project, Black Talk Media Network. Uh, he did a recent one with Bob Law, and they were talking about this code of behavior, which kind of goes in line with what you're talking about with dealing with uh, the conflict resolution. And it's really beautiful new code of behavior that we came out with the National Black Leadership Alliance. I would ask people to, to probably check that video out and uh, definitely check it out. It's really good because this is what we need coming out of this. Whenever we come out of this virus to this new normal, we have to start behaving and treating each other better with more love. And this music that they play, it's all about hate, not love. And we have to change that. Thank you. Thank you for closing the show. I want to thank the podcast listeners for supporting the Black Talk Media Project. I'm Angel Fall for Victims to Victorious. And thank you so much, Quavena, for joining us this evening. You're welcome. See you Sunday.